Welcome again to another edition of the Green Beige Podcast. As always, that is AJ. He's the green. I am Ken. I am the beige. And we are <laughs> off and running once again. AJ, how is it going? Everything is well on my end, sir. Everything is well. No complaints at all. How about yourself? I am doing pretty well. I am doing pretty well. And I know that we have some interesting stuff to get into today. So we will not um, take too long, but just there's one announcement that we need to make before we get any further. As we've been teasing and telling you guys in the past, we expected and we've been working on a couple things in the background that we've been trying to get in place. And one that we are pleased to announce at this point is that the Green Beige podcast can now be found on the Go Loud platform for those of you who are in Grenada and who have the Digicel premium packages. You can use the Go Loud app to access our content. Of course, you can see our faces here on YouTube, but if you just want to hear our voices, the Go Loud app is where you go. We have some other stuff in the works, so stay tuned for that. And a lot more on that is to come. So, AJ, mm -hmm. off the rip, we are going to start with one <coughs> Alex Smith. The Comeback Player of the Year for 2020 has officially retired from the league. Now, Alex Smith, he has the honor of being, you know, a quality quarterback in his NFL career. He has done pretty good work everywhere that he has been. He has had seven years in San Francisco, five years in Kansas City, and then now two years with the Washington football team, or two playing years with the Washington football team. And for his career, Alex Smith has started 167 games and he has a career record of 9967 and 1. Now AJ when you think of Alex <clears throat> Smith what comes to mind what where do you stand on Mr Smith? Uh I've 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 never really had anything bad to say about Alex Smith. I think he's always been a uh, uh, I, I guess a, a decent, a good, a good, a better than better than serviceable quarterback. Um, never had the impression in any of my time, in any time watching football, sorry, that he is that guy that's going to lead a team to any sort of not even the AFC or NFC championship, not to a championship game, definitely not to a Super Bowl. But he was always solid enough to lead you into a postseason. I, I, I feel like. Uh, Obviously, was was devastated for him um, when he he got his his horrendous injury. Um, was happy to see that despite all the odds, he was able to come back, have that season, um, have the the comeback, get the comeback player of the year award. You know, it's, it's it's a nice story and everything. I I I did I did appreciate that for him. Uh, yeah, I think this is the right time for him to do it. And just generally, yeah, it's, I mean, he, <laughs> I don't want to say he leaves behind a, a legacy of mediocrity, but um, his his last storyline definitely enhances his legacy a bit. 
uh, off, off outside of the statistics. But um, Alex Smith is what he is, man. He's he's a, he's a good guy, good quarterback, and I wish him all the best. Indeed, so do I. Alex Smith has had the I don't I don't know what's the best word to use here. But he has a history. We know we've made mention of Tyrod Taylor and how Tyrod Taylor is usually the guy that ends up losing his job to somebody else. Poor Alex Smith. He has the ignominy of having the same thing happen to him. So Alex Smith, as I made mention, he started at the San Francisco 49ers and he was the number one overall draft pick in 2005. And he was the quarterback of the San Francisco 49ers up until 2012. And you know what happened in 2012? The 49ers recognized that they weren't, being, they weren't able to push the ball down the field because Alex Smith is not the guy to throw the ball down the field. But they had a, a young backup quarterback who was willing to throw the ball down the field. And not just that, but he had some wheels on him. This is one Mr. Colin Kaepernick. And they made the change from Alex Smith to Colin Kaepernick and they never looked back. After that season, yep. Alex Smith was gone. <clears throat> so he then... Kaepernick did lead them in, indeed, at least to NFC Championship and a Super Bowl. So. And a Super Bowl. <laughs> there you go. So, I mean, no disrespect to Mr. Alex Smith, but if you have Colin Kaepernick, who at that time was the man, you are going to play a cap. You're not going to play Alex Smith. So Alex Smith then leaves there and he goes over to Kansas City and he's at Kansas City up until 2017. And in 2017, for the time that he was in Kansas City, Alex Smith plays 15, 16, 15, and 15 games. So Kansas City Chiefs were one of the creme de la creme of the NFL by this time. And, you know, Alex Smith is quarterbacking him well. And you remember in that second last, in that last season that he had with the Kansas City Chiefs, the Chiefs had their playoff position locked up so early that they didn't need to play all of their starters in that 16th game. And you know who started that 16th game? Patrick Mahomes. Yep. Uh, Patrick Mahomes now, since he's taken over, has just taken them to an AFC Championship game and two Super Bowls in his three seasons as a starter. And there's one no, win. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And there's no room <coughs> then for Alex Smith. So Alex Smith gets the trade over to Washington because Washington doesn't have a quarterback at that time. And his first season, he plays 10 games. He goes 6-4 and four and he breaks his leg. He's, he manages to come back from the leg break. And this season, he plays eight games. He starts six games. And he's done a more than a service level job. I believe that Alex Smith has been a solid quarterback. He's had a solid career. <clears throat> we wish him all the best. At least, no. We hope that wherever he ends up, he doesn't end up getting run off the job because somebody else came along. Happy trails. <laughs> Happy trails to you, Mr. Alex Smith. Now, leading on from Alex Smith, we have another Smith. But this Smith, 
he's worse than Agent Smith from The Matrix. This Smith can't seem to keep himself out of trouble. This is Mr. Alden Smith. Alden Smith has now found himself... He has a warrant out for his arrest. Alden Smith is wanted by the police on a second-degree battery charge in <coughs> Louisiana. So, AJ, I'll, let you, I'll give you first crack at this. When you hear of Alan Smith and this new charge that he has in New Orleans, what comes to mind? Um, so as we were just mentioning this off air, I, I, the, the, the one thing I remember about Alan Smith is that he was a cowboy and he was arrested previously. And it was for a hit and run DUI vandalism. <laughs> And this is a good few years ago. He just, the man just can't seem to keep out of trouble. He, he clearly loves trouble more than he loves the NFL. So, but you know how it is. This is like a fraternity. So usually they they give you as many chances until you absolutely, completely outdo yourself to the point where it, it's of no return. So he was given another chance and here we are again. Um, no longer with the Cowboys, but still causing trouble. Uh, I, 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 when I think of Alan Smith I just think controversy and off-field issues I don't think of football that is the honest truth now the thing about Alan Smith Alan Smith <clears throat> is a tremendously talented individual <clears throat> and if you don't believe that Alan Smith is so talented if you look at the amount of controversy that he has had in his career you will recognize that for someone to get as many chances as he has had, the belief has to be that he is going to be more useful for you when he's available than the potential backlash that you'll get when he's not. Now, there is an article I found on sportingnews.com. This article was published in 2018, the actual published date is March 23rd, 2018. And at that time, it said that it says that Alan Smith, one-time All-Pro selection, who recorded 19 and a half sacks for the Fortnite's during the 2012 season, has not played a snap in the NFL since 2015. So by this time, he was out of the league for full three years. And the timeline that they have for Alan Smith's indiscretions, scripts with the legal system and everything run from 2012 all the way to 2018. Alan Smith has had issues with alcohol. It seems he's had issues with marijuana. And then he has had several DUI charges where he had to, well, he was sentenced to 12 days in jail for a weapons charge and 12 days for DUA. That was in 2014. He was suspended for nine games. This is all while he was still with the 49ers. He got cut from the 49ers in 2015 because, as you said, he had been arrested on suspicion of DUA, hit and run and vandalism. Even though he was arrested the Raiders gave him a contract in 2015 I mean we are look at we got to look at the Raiders 
you know, with a bit of a side eye because, you know, what are we doing? And hours after he signs with the Raiders, then the Santa Clara County District Attorney files three misdemeanor charges, DUI hit and run with property damage and vandalism related to that arrest in August. His arraignment was scheduled for October. He got re-signed by the Raiders in April of 2016 after the league suspended him for a year. Then he got sued by the 49ers because they said that they, he owed them over $300,000 in a bonus that he signed when that he got when he signed the contract and he had repaid $844,396.82. He had to repay them $1,186,000 and $341,000 was still outstanding. And then in 2018, police are looking for him because they said that he fled the scene at a place where a domestic violence complaint had been filed. The, the, the circumstances of this were that it is claimed that Smith beat up his then fiance and bit her wrists. I mean, this man, and all of this time, Notice this is in 2018. He's already suspended. He's he's out of the league for three years. Somehow, he convinces the Cowboys to give him a contract last season. But we know that when it comes to teams that lay open box specials, the Cowboys are right up there. I mean, they gave Greg Hardy a contract, and then Greg Hardy again couldn't keep himself out of trouble and they had no choice but to release him there's only one other thing one other team that i could think of that love these open box specials and that's your patriots why that wow wow hey the difference is the different we don't like them we don't take them when they're in the act usually that our 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 project is usually a reclamation project all right there's a difference the cowboys are just like all right oh you're a football player but you like trouble come across for us, it's usually, all right, are you ready to settle down and do your job? That's the difference. I, I don't want you classing us with the Cowboys, please, sir. Thanks. Please and thanks very much. Okay, no problem. I, I, I will stand down on that one. But the fact still remains that Alden Smith is a problem. He is a problem. And he has serious problems as well. And the fact that he played well enough last season to parlay that into another contract with the Seattle Seahawks. I guess the Cowboys thought that they had reformed him. And then the Seahawks were taking their lead from what the Cowboys did and said, well, if he played well for you, maybe he'd come and play well for us as well. But clearly, that is not the case. Alan Smith, as we have had conversations about another brother who seems to not be able to keep himself out of the commissioner's bad books, one Josh Gordon, that we have said before multiple times that Josh needs to, you know, get out of the league and go fix his issues. Yeah. Alan Smith, I believe, <clears throat> needs to do the same. I, 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 the, the, you see, the, the thing is with Josh Gordon, I, I mean, I'm, I've always said so because Josh Gordon seems to always have one recurring issue, right? Mm -hmm. It's just one issue that I think he should identify. You know what? I'm having trouble with this. 
let me go and try to sort this out and get myself right in this regard and then come back. But Alden Smith is just, uh, he's just a scofflaw. He is, he just, is just whatever, whatever seems to be something that could put me into trouble. Yeah, let me do this. As, that's, that's the main difference here. Uh, so I, I, I don't even know if there's one particular issue that this guy could tie down and say, you know what, let me try to buckle. I mean, human beings are capable of change. Of course, he's capable of being a better individual in that regard. Let me not come down on him that hard, but there's so many things he needs to fix. If, if he does decide to step away, he shouldn't even consider coming back. Just get your life right. Just get your life right. I agree. At this point, there, there are no next chances or second chances for Alvin Smith. I think he has just used up his last one. And unlike, well, I know we didn't have this in the rundown, but it, it comes in quite nicely. Unlike what happened with Aaron Donald, because you know Aaron Donald, he also got caught up in the, in the headlines and he got caught up with the law this week because we saw reports that Mr. Donald was reportedly involved in a fight. And when we saw the injury that the plaintiff had received in the fight, it, I mean, we know Aaron Donald, and Aaron Donald is not a small dude. He's not a weak dude. And when you saw a guy with his eye completely swollen shot, it looks like if he probably could have potentially taken a punch from Aaron Donald, which caused his eye to swell up. However, when we saw the video... It was clear that Aaron Donald was not throwing any punches. He was actually trying to break up the fight, and then he got pulled out of it. The reason why I bring that up at this time is because these charges that are coming up against Alan Smith are as a result of video evidence. This is not something that they are hearing and no investigating. No, they've seen. We haven't seen, but they have seen enough that they believe that he is worth charging for second-degree um, aggravated assault which carries a potential jail term of up to eight years. And we know that it doesn't take much for a brother to get sent up. And worse yet, when he already has a record, when he's already known for being a troublemaker. So this is something that we, we keep a, a cursory eye on. It's not something that we need to monitor that closely. But of course, we will keep the folks informed. Speaking of keeping them informed, the Green Beige favorite topic to talk about, Deshaun Watson. <sighs> Deshaun Watson and his legal situation is ongoing still. We have heard today that the um, attorney for the 22 civil suits, they have had to release the names of all of the accusers. So now everybody who is accusing Deshaun Watson, they're no longer being referred to as Jane Doe number three and Jane Doe number seven. We have names that we can put to all of them. And Deshaun Watson's attorney, Rusty Harding, said today that he and that we answered all of the lawsuits filed against Deshaun Watson. Mr. Watson has been adamant that he did not engage in any improper conduct and we strongly believe him. Therefore, the answer to the question of whether we are saying that all 22 plaintiffs are lying about the allegations of sexual misconduct by Mr. Watson is a resounding yes. So, AJ, 
what do you make of these most recent developments? I don't allow myself to process too much of this information at one time. So the most I thought about it, it was like, okay, well, this is getting real. Um, I think there was something else I saw from his end, if I remember correctly. Um, and I can't even remember the details of that. No, I, it's, it, it just feels like this is getting all too real. And this is way beyond, no, just, you know, just a, a I mean, it was for a while, but it's way beyond No, okay, well, what's going to happen to Deshaun Watson in the NFL next year? Which team will he be on? It feels now like, okay, what is going to become of Deshaun Watson generally? It, 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 it seems to be heading on that path, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, so we remember that in our early days when Deshaun Watson was saying that he wants a and we came, well, I came on record and they said that Deshaun Watson had all the power in this situation because of his status as the starting quarterback of the Houston Texans. That has not aged very well at all. Because <laughs> with, this, with this situation that he now finds himself in, nobody is thinking about football. Nobody is considering, like, there's no chance at this point. There is no chance that unless all of these 22 lawsuits are resolved between now and July or June when, you know, the OTAs and the mandatory training camp and everything starts, it is almost impossible to, at this point, envision... Deshaun Watson as a starting quarterback in the NFL, regardless of which city, for 2021. Now, one of the things that, I, because I'm looking at an article here from Yahoo Sports, and the there's there's some there's something here that I wanted to to read. It's, it's speaking still about um, what Deshaun Watson's attorney Rusty Harding has said, and this is Yahoo Sports' article was posted today by Charles Robinson, says the fighting, speaking of his fighting of the country suits against the women, the fighting comes with a summary of counter allegations against the women who have filed suits against Watson, with an inference that the quarterback's defense team has been able to take apart the story of each accuser know that their identities have become part of the public record. Harding attempts to drive that point home with a brief indexing of claims that divide Watson's accusers into different subgroups based on their alleged behavior surrounding the incidents spelled out in civil suits. Within that indexing, Harding contends, after the massage therapy with Watson, eight plaintiffs bragged about, praised, and were excited about massaging Mr. Watson. Seven plaintiffs were willingly worked or offered to work with Mr. Watson after their alleged incidents. Three plaintiffs lied about the number of sessions they actually had with Mr. Watson. Three plaintiffs lied about their alleged trauma and resulting harm. Five plaintiffs told others they wanted to get money out of Mr. Watson, and five plaintiffs have scrubbed or entirely deleted their social media accounts. The crux of Harden's accusation against Solis, who was the first one, I think, 
I think she was the first one to, um, yes, Ashley Sodas, she was the first one to bring a civil suit against Watson. And more broadly, against the entire group of 22 suits against Watson is that all the women had encounters with Watson that were either unremarkable massage sessions or consensual sexual contact, but are now lying about the experiences to extract money from the quarterback. And Harden claims to have the evidence or testimony to prove it in each case. So this is a mess. This is <laughs> that's, that was what I was just thinking. This is that's a lot to unpack. That yes. is a lot to unpack. Yes, it is. Yeah, this is wow. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. You was you were saying. No, the, I mean, all, what I, all I was going to say is that this, this, the ramifications of this situation in this case is not only going to have a significant impact on Deshaun, but it's also going to have a significant impact on these 22 women. And if the attorney, if Mr. Hardin has all of the evidence that he is alleging that he has, that is quite a lot of ammunition that he's sitting on. So, I mean... We're going to see where this goes because this no has legs to run. It does. Wow, that's that's so much. That's a that's a lot going on, though. And I'm I'm not even I'm not even laughing. This is not a funny situation. Sorry, that was just it's just like wow. This yeah. is just a wow. Yeah, is that's a, that was just a lot to unpack, though. I, there's nothing I can make of that. I, again, I, I I'm waiting to see how this unfolds, but. It's, I hate these. You, you always hate to see these kinds of situations. So. Exactly. And I'm not saying that I don't believe the women. I'm not saying I don't believe Deshaun. At this point in time, we don't know who to believe. So we have to wait and see what evidence comes out. And then once we get an opportunity to see the evidence for ourselves. And again, it is important to make sure that we understand the distinction between what is happening here and what potentially could have been. Deshaun Watson is facing civil suits. Civil suits is based on the preponderance of evidence. That's how they make the determination of who's at fault and then therefore who gets paid or who gets exonerated. If it was a criminal case, criminal cases go beyond the shadow of reasonable doubt. So... All we can do now is just wait and see how this one plays out. All right, AJ. So after we've gone through the serious stuff, you know, we get to we get to have a little fun. So we are on to who do you trust? And this week, who do you <laughs> we go, trust? Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> who do you trust is on one of my favorite positions in the NFL. Now, AJ, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to give you a little history, a little insight into Ken as Ken was coming up. And then you will understand me and my fandom a little bit more. So when I was a child, the first, the first NFL player I became aware of was Barry Sanders. I, you know, there's the, um, the book ship, the Lagos that sails through. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I went on the Lagos and I found a little book. It wasn't very big and it wasn't very thick. But at that time, I used to read and used to read a lot. Something about this book caught my attention. And I read about Barry Sanders and they were talking about how great of a football player Barry Sanders was a running back. And then I got to see a little bit of the game 
and I fell in love with the running back position. When I, in my youthful exuberance, thought of would I play in the NFL? And as I ever was going to play a position at that time, like I said, I was in love with the running back position. Right. <clears throat> Since then, I um I have rethought the position that I would play if I was ever going to play, and I'll give more on that at some other time. I but can't wait to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> but the running back position was always one of my favorites to watch because he was the guy he took the ball and basically he ran through the line or he ran around people. And back in the day, he used to like really lower his shoulder and run through people. So running back position was has always been one of my favorites. Now, we see that the running back position in the NFL has been devalued to a point that is upsetting for someone like me who just loves the position. I don't, I've never taken a snap with pads on, but to see what has become in the league's mindset of the running back position, it disturbs me. It bothers me. Because, yes, they have made the league much more of a passing league. But when you're looking to manage the game, what do they do? They run the football. The teams that usually have the most success are teams that are balanced, with running the football. You don't have to run it 50 times a game, but as long as you can get 20 to 25 good carries, it, you shorten the game, you keep the other offense off the field. So AJ, who in this first question of who do you trust? Do you trust the NFL in their management of young running backs? No. Trust who? I don't trust the NFL to manage any position outside of the quarterback position. That's a that's a short answer. Um, if you're looking specifically at the running backs, nah, I, I can't I can't say I do. I, I think there will always be as 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 is as is the case with any sport or any particular skill position in the NFL, there will always be exceptions to the rule where you'll have certain players who, based on the team they're they're in, will always basically warrant a, 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 a huge contract um, in terms of, you know, just based on their value to that organization. But do I trust the NFL as, as an overall entity, the body, the governing body to protect the position? No. The, the rules will have been and will always continue to be going forward, in my, in my humble opinion, be uh, um, catered more towards the quarterback, the face of the, face of the organization, the, the backbone, the you know the the um the the overall play caller I play caller maker everything like it'll always be the QB so I I don't I don't see much necessarily changing in terms of the NFL's uh, um stance on it a few teams will have their outliers that's always going to happen but as for the NFL no mm -mm, don't see it well like you I don't trust them at all. Trust who? I don't trust them in the slightest. So as I just made mention of how the NFL has been devaluing the running back position. We have a few running backs who have gotten paid in recent years. And then, but the list is far longer. 
of running backs who have not gotten paid. And especially when these teams find a runner who they believe is going to give them great service, but they're not 100% convinced that they are going to pay this player, they run him into the ground and then they use that as an excuse not to pay him. And the first name that comes up when I think of this kind of disgusting behavior is DeMarco Murray. Do you remember DeMarco Murray? Yeah, 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 definitely, of course. Yeah, remember DeMarco Murray. DeMarco Murray was with the Dallas Cowboys for four seasons. He was drafted with the Cowboys, and in the time that he was with Dallas, he had 934 carries for 4,526 yards and 28 touchdowns. The most egregious part of this, though, is that of the carries that he had, the 934 carries, he had 392 in that last year. And with those 392 carries, the Cowboys then used the fact that he ran so much as if it was not their offense, their coach that gave him all those carries to say, you have too much wear on your treads. You have taken too much abuse. We don't believe that you are worth the money that you think that you should get or the extension with us that you believe you should have. And it forced DeMarco then to leave the Cowboys. He went to the Eagles in the division for a season. He played 15 games. He had 193 carries for 702 yards. 3.6 yards a carry, which is not great, but it's still okay. He leaves there, he goes to Tennessee. He has two years in Tennessee, and then he's out of the league after 2017. But for his career, he's averaged four and a half yards a carry. But they ran him into the ground in Dallas, knowing that they weren't going to bring him back. So when I look at the NFL and how the NFL in general, Treats running backs, I have no trust. There, there, there can't be no trust for them because they're disgusting with it. They have no shame. They run them basically out of the league. So I can't say I disagree there. I mean, un- unless you're in this in this era now, unless you're a pass catching back or you're simply an absolute bruiser. Where in 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 your heyday you're just knocking over everyone and it's almost impossible to stop unless two or three uh, fellas grab a hold of you. You probably ain't getting that kind of contract, no. No. And 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 the the, the protection that comes along with it and security as well. So yeah, Correct. I definitely agree. Exactly. And as you talk about security, a running back is literally in many cases one ACL away from being out of the league. The yeah, the job security for that position is at an all-time low. So we had some other quarterbacks who have been on the move. We have some quarterbacks that have popped up in some new places. I know we mentioned one of them before, 
And one of them is a much more recent move and we hadn't touched on it before. But this, the one that we talked about before was Mark Ingram, who was a saint. And then from a saint, he went over to be a member of the Ravens. He had a couple good years with the Ravens and now he's popped up in Houston on a one-year, $3 million contract. And then James Conner, who last season, well, not just last season, but took over from Le'Veon Bell as the feature back with Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. And now he hadn't done enough to secure himself the bag. So now he is off to Arizona on a total of $1.5 million for one year. So AJ, who do you trust more in this coming season? Do you trust Mark Ingram in Houston more than you trust James Conner in Arizona? No. <laughs> no, I don't. And, <laughs> I, I'm, and you know what's the funny thing? It's a funny little anecdote. So you see just how you mentioned previously that running back was a position that you thought that you would play, you know, in, the, in your youthful exuberance. I've always felt like my my NFL comp, if 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 I had to choose an NFL player that I think was most akin to to me and my, you know, it would be Mark Ingram. It would actually be Mark Ingram. I feel like, you know, we're the same sort of like a little homunculus, just a, a short, stocky kind of uh, dude, you know, just have a little, a, a little, possessing a little strength and that kind of stuff. But, but Ingram has not been it for a couple. I don't, I, I, Ingram hasn't, he's not a feature back. He hasn't been for the last couple of seasons. Um, even last year with the injuries and everything, he was behind. I know he was in a committee with his um, Gus Edwards and who was J.K. Dobbins. J.K. Dobbins, the rookie, correct. I can I don't trust, I don't trust Mark Ingram that much, despite the experience. And what makes this worse is the fact that he's in Houston. I, I cannot find a way to trust Houston about anything. So that combination already together tells me now. No, on the other hand, I'm I'm no huge fan of I'm no huge fan of James Conner, but I think within the right system he can be productive, right? And given where he is now, I think Arizona has let me not say a, a better offense than you know what? That's a good question. Do they have a better offense than, than Pittsburgh? Oh. Um, I, <laughs> I, I just popped into them. I need to think about that a bit more. But they do have some other good weapons. I think the offense is is an offense that is budding definitely. Um, I think he 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 will have more opportunities, especially given the, the quarterback that he's about to go play with. Um, as long as they they get the O line right, I I think he could be productive in that offense. So I I would definitely take James Conner in this instance. Like I said, I'm no big fan, and then obviously there's a motivational factor. Um, the fact that you know he's he has this kind of contract is a one year is a prove yourself before you try to go back out there and get a big deal. I, I I like that situation for him. I like Arizona's offensive situation, so I trust them more than I trust anything to do with the Houston Texans and to a lesser degree Mark Ingram. I kind of kind of here and there on Mark Ingram, but I don't trust the Texans at all. So I'll take give me James Conner in Arizona over Mark Ingram in Houston. So the, the when I think about this, this particular matchup, right, there's certain things that I have to weigh in on my, that I have weighing on my decision, 
as to who I'm going to pick on this one. So for the purposes of just getting it out there in the early, I also would trust James Conner more than I trust Mark Ingram. That's, let me just put that out there for the people. You, you heard me already. I said, I'm giving it to Connor before I give it to Ingram. Here is why. Now, as you made mention of Houston, enough said. Everything you said about Houston just know I agree with 100%. So I don't need to go back over anything that you just said. Now, the things that I'm looking at in this kind of situation is that Houston, at this point, they seem to think that they have a lead back. They think so in David Johnson. They have five running backs on their team, but the fact that they just paid Ingram $3 million gives him, and what I, what I believe is, a great chance to make the final 53. Everybody that they have in that running back room is not going to make it at his age. Ingram is not playing special teams. So chances are Ingram has a path to be the number two running back in Houston, with more than likely being the number one because we all know that David Johnson is as sturdy. Why Why must you put that out there? Why must you put that out there? Someone is going to end up with this man in, in the NFL fantasy draft next year. You know, don't put that out there for, for whoever it is that you end up with here in our league. Don't do that. Don't all do right. that. I'll leave it. I'll, I'll, I won't go any further on, on David Johnson. All right? I, I understand. Of course, I understand what you're saying, though. I, we're here. I, I get you. We're here. Thank you. <laughs> now, on the other hand, even though the money that James Conner has been paid by Arizona is so slight, and in a lot of cases, we can see the value that a player has with a team based on the contract that they have. So, as you said, it's a one-year prove-it deal. His contract is fully guaranteed because, I mean, some I don't this I. I don't really understand why they did it this way, but he has the same signing bonus and salary like everybody else. But it's just a one-year deal, so everything goes to the cap this year anyway. Yeah. And I guess he gets the signing bonus to make sure he gets some money up front, and then you know he'll get the salary as he plays the games. But the most that he's going to make for this year is one and a half million dollars. Is it possible that Arizona goes out and gets a running back in the draft? Entirely possible. Because the only running back that they currently have in there right now is Chase Edmonds. Yeah. And for those who have played fantasy, you would recognize that Chase Edmonds works best as a relief pitcher. He did good work when Kenyon Drake got hurt in games. He did good work when Kenyon Drake was out for spells. But the minute that you give Chase Edmonds the start, nothing's. So, I mean, Connor might be on one and a half million dollars and they could go and bring in a running back through the draft. Of course, you know, guys get cut, you know, go through waivers, et cetera. So others could come in as well. But I believe that Connor has a path to being the number one running back in Arizona even though the money would suggest that he's not supposed to be it. And as you have made mention of with the weapons that they have on offense, especially at the quarterback position, and they do have a pretty good offensive line, he could be much more productive this coming season than he has been in the past. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, that, that's the same way I see it. And 
I didn't. <laughs> I didn't care to mention Chase Edmonds because I didn't think he was worth mentioning. But everything you just said, I co-signed. This is no disrespect to Chase Edmonds, but everything you said, like it's true. Chase Edmonds is not that. Is not he's not a, he's not never going to be a feature back. Um, there's more potential for Connor to be that. And as you said as well, it's possible that they re-up in a draft. You know, I I can't recall off the top of my head what what um, position they they pick at in the first round, but it it that is very possible. Um, and there's a running back in this draft. I know you're not a college guy, but there's a running back in this draft. I really want to see where he lands. That's Najee Harris. I really like that guy. I really like that dude. Anyhow, we'll get into that further down. But yeah, um, yeah, Connor over over Ingram in this situation for sure. I feel I, I feel like I would have given more consideration to Ingram had it been another organization, another organization. But Houston, nah, nope. Agreed. So. No, after we talk about guys who, you know, have been on the move, then we have to, I mean, it'd be remiss of us to go through an entire conversation talking about running backs. And we don't talk about the current king. And that is King Henry. Derek Henry, master of the stiff arm. One of my favorite players to see running the football. And I, I remember... I do not remember who, but I remember it being said that it is almost unfair that someone that big, someone that strong, is also that fast. When that man gets into open field, the way he he runs, I mean, as in his actual gait, it makes me laugh because it is head up and arms just pumping, just pumping, and nobody can catch him. So it's it. Do you believe that there is a running back out there in the league? Sorry, that's not the way I'm asking this question. Do you trust King Henry to be top of the pile in 2021? <laughs> Listen, I trust King Henry so much, right? This is this is my early this is my early prediction to you. If I have a top pick in one of our leagues next year, I'm taking Derrick Henry before I even take Christian McCaffrey or Alvin Kamara. I'll tell you that right now. This man doesn't get hurt, and he will run. He will run the smack out of that football every single game. He, brother, I, 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 I mean, I, I'm glad he's not in my division. First of all, you should. But yeah, yeah, but no, nah, I really like this dude, man, for real. I, I like what he could do with the ball and. Like I said, I trust him that much. And and Run CMC has been my one, like one of my favorite players in this league, even even since he was drafted, because he had some, he had a little bit of hype coming into the league. So I've kind of been watching him since since college as well, right? Mm-hmm. Like, well, his draft year and whatnot. So I've always been a fan of his drafting him in a couple of leagues. But but nah, if if boy, if I get first or second, I know if I get like a third pick. The first two men probably taking like Patrick Mahomes and then you might see Lamar Jackson. Men taking quarterbacks real early now in drafts, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm telling you, if I have a high pick and this man forcing me, my first pick is Derrick Henry. Take that to the bank. So, I mean, when you say A, you have to say B. I understand where you're coming from when you say that Derrick Henry is going to be your first pick because it is difficult. It is difficult for me at this point in time to say that there is another running back out there that I believe is going to beat Henry for the rushing title. So, yes, I also trust Henry to be king 
again. But that is that is primarily predicated on looking at the opposition more so than him, because we know that he is great. And if even if Henry does not win a ring, more than likely he is going to be in the Hall of Fame just based on what he's mm. done over like the last three or four years. So Derek Henry is that guy. But when we think of the other running backs in the league, who comes close? There's nobody. The only other team that is as wedded to running the football with a single back, like how the Tennessee Titans have been with Derrick Henry, is the Minnesota Vikings and Dalvin Cook. Yeah. And you know Dalvin Cook, his hamstrings, are like old rubber bands. They are always susceptible to popping. So, and Hasley, you have no respect for these men, you know. <laughs> but that's not true. I have a lot of respect for Dalvin. No, Cook. no, no. I, I, sorry, I'm sorry. Just, just, yeah. Just being facetious. Go ahead, go ahead, sir. Go but, ahead, sir. but, but the fact still remains that Dalvin Cook is good for being out a few games with a hamstring yeah. injury. The other team, a couple, yeah. Yeah, the other teams that like to run the football a lot, Baltimore, the number one rusher of the football is the quarterback. San Francisco. San Francisco is a team that likes to have a committee, which, again, speaks to the devaluing of the position because you're not running one guy out there. They're running three guys out there every game. Um there, I don't, I can't think off the top of my head of another team that is so run heavy in the league. We don't have the running backs that run the football like Derrick Henry. So Derrick Henry has to be supposed to be. Um, I was supposed to be Zeke, isn't it? Let's not even talk about that because Zeke is Zeke now is being held up as. The example of why you don't pay quarter pay running backs because Zeke got all that money and all his production just fell off the same time. Yes, the offensive line was not as good in the last two seasons since he's gotten paid. But if you are the running back that's getting that kind of money, the expectation is for you to be able to make up the difference. You have to be able to make things happen when things aren't there like Derrick Henry does, where if you give him enough room and he gets up ahead of steam, then there is no arm tackling him. You have to put multiple bodies on him to stop him. Zeke doesn't have you that... Know, he doesn't have that physical profile. He's been injured last season. And when he's been fit, his production has not been there to the, part, to the point where they've been even saying that McFadden should be getting more run than him. So, Pollard. sorry, Pollard. Yes, yeah. Tony Pollard. Yes, you're correct, it's Tony Pollard. So, at this point, it has to be Henry. It can't be anybody else. No, you just made mention the two names. And you're, you said that you're taking Henry before you would pick either of these two guys. But these are the... To me, these guys now are the gold standard of the modern running back, the pass-catching back who, who can do multiple things. 
a la Le'Veon Bell in his prime when he was with Pittsburgh. We know now Le'Veon is not Le'Veon anymore. So, AJ, who do you trust to have a, mu- a more productive season in 2021? Alvin Kamara or Christian McCaffrey? After I just spoke so highly, like, I like both of these guys, but after I just spoke so highly of Christian McCaffrey, there's no way I'm going against him. And not just because of that, but like I said, I've been a fan for a while and, and the guy has, he's never made me a liar. He's never made me a liar. I mean, last year, he wasn't unproductive. He was injured. So, I mean, in, in a, from a fantasy perspective, I may, like, be like a little hesitant to draft him early. But if I'm like speaking strictly from a fan standpoint, I I did I would say Christian McCaffrey. I he he usually could do everything based on his his just his his physical nature, his type. He's a strong dude and he's just been improving his physical stature year over year. I mean last year was it, it wasn't it, it was a, an outlier year. Um first major injury. I still believe he bounces back and in that offense he uh, again he's going to be the one He's going to be the one in that offense, and yeah, I, I, I think I think it's him next year. Alvin Kamara had had that title last year because CMC was out, but I given that to, to my guy Christian Christian McCaffrey this year. Yep, <laughs> let me hear you. I know where this is going. Of course, you know where this is going. <laughs> the first NFL jersey I ever purchased was an AK forty one. Alvin Kamara. There is no way, absolutely no way possible that I am going to pick another pass-catching running back over my guy, Alvin Kamara. Alvin Kamara has shown himself thus far in his career to be more sturdy than CMC. That's number one. Alvin Kamara took a fine from the NFL to wear a red cleat and a green cleat on Christmas and then went out and put up six touchdowns. Alvin, I knew we had to hear mention of that. I knew it. But that's fair. That's fair. Alvin Kamara is now going to have a quarterback that can push the ball further than ten seven yards down the field, regardless of who it is. I'm, I expect it to be Jameis. And Jameis has the arm talent to do things in that offense that Drew Brees was not able to do for the last couple of years. And when you know that we can't throw the ball down the field, then they load up on the box to try to make sure and limit Alvin Kamara. But if you got Jameis that is willing to throw the ball 25, 30, 35 yards down the field, hopefully not to the other team, then we would have a much more dynamic offense, which will give Alvin Kamara much more room to operate. There's no way. There's no way. We still have Mike Thomas on the outside. We have some developing tight ends. I know we have to bring in some more help on the outside. There is no way. Absolutely no way that if the the only other running back that would cause me to pause and not and well I can't say and not 
But what caused me to pause and think if I would want to draft him over Alvin Kamara in a fantasy league is Derrick Henry. And he would only make me stop and think for but so long. Alvin Kamara is that guy. He's that guy in my offense. And as great as CMC is, I still think that Alvin Kamara is in position to have the better season in 2021. And that... I said, I'm interested to see how this plays out. Now no, we have something to look forward to with these two guys this season. We have something to look forward to, you know. I mean, at the end of the day, like we just said, about Zeke being the poster child now for what you don't pay in running backs, Alvin Kamara, more so than Christian McCaffrey, as I just said, because, you know, CMC has had a couple of injuries last season, especially. These are the guys that show you who you should pay because they're not just, they're not just runners. They're, they're not just guys that would... Yeah. yeah, they don't just take the ball and just try to hammer it through the lane 30 times a game. These guys, you can split them out. You can you can bring them into the backfield. You can hand the ball off. You can get them screens. You can you can do anything. Mm-hmm. And like even in the playoff game, I feel to remember who it was because after how the playoffs ended for us last season, it, it was just you know a complete disappointment. But even in the playoff game, when uh, Trayvon Smith caught the touchdown pass from James Winston, the reason why. Trayvon Smith was wide open down the middle of the field on the seams when the ball, I mean, as everybody said, you saw Jameis come on, you know the ball was going deep. The only reason why he was that open was because they had three defenders running for Alvin Kamara on the left-hand side of the field. Mm-hmm. Alvin Kamara is that guy. He is that guy. And I can't wait to see my guy again this season. Can't wait to see my guy back because... Told you, been a fan since from the inception. Been a, a run CMC guy, so I can't wait to see him back. Yeah, it's gonna be fun. Definitely, it's going to be fun. definitely. All right, and that is our last. Who do you trust for this week? And next week, I well, we'll see what comes up. We'll see what there is to talk about because. Some someone may come along and, and give us you know, an inkling towards leaning towards a particular position. Or you know, we'll just see. We'll just see how it goes. But who do you trust? That was who do you trust again for this week, guys. And we will be back with this segment next week. So now after we have completed that, we move on to this week's final thought. And this week's final thought is something that is not um, I guess it's not particular to American sports. It's definitely not NFL related. But it is something that we both have spent quite a lot of time looking at, thinking about, and talking about since yesterday. And this is the announcement of the European Super League. And for those who don't know about the European Super League, I'll just give you a very, very brief synopsis. There are a bunch of teams. There are confirmed 12 teams who have agreed with each other 
this is the most important part with each other they're not this is not sanctioned by fifa not by uefa not by any sporting body but they have decided that they are going to now form their own league and play against each other midweek games as well as continuing along with playing the the league games as well as the european games that the governing bodies have already instituted to give our american counterparts a bit of perspective to help you to understand what this is like um it is like a bunch of teams in the nba just deciding that rather than playing or in addition to playing all of the nba schedule they're now going to include specific games just against each other so it would be like the Los Angeles Lakers, the Boston Celtics, the Golden State Warriors. They're still popular, I guess. So the New York Knicks, the Brooklyn Nets, the powerhouse teams of the league deciding that instead of playing all of these games, well, in addition to playing all of these games, we're going to play a mini tournament just against each other. The biggest challenge that this European Super League has is that the governing bodies, the governments, as well as the sporting administrations are all against it. To the point where it is being said that these teams now will be banned, they'll be exiled from their leagues. They will not be able to take part in any European competitions. That will be the Champions League or the or the Europa League, and their players will also be banned from taking part in any international matches. And the teams that have chosen to do this, from England, they're Liverpool, Manchester United, Manchester City, Chelsea, Arsenal, and Tottenham, five teams who have had maybe not necessarily a lot of success in recent times, but have been successful in the past and have been known to be successful and then Tottenham. Then you have, um, from Spain, you have Barcelona, Real Madrid, Atletico Madrid. In Italy, you have Juventus, AC Milan, and Internazionale Milan, Inter Milan. And they're supposedly holding out then for an additional three, mem three teams to come in to make it 15 founder teams who will be participating in this league every year. They also, they have plans for it to be a 20-team league in total. So then they're bringing in five teams from the various leagues to also make up the rest of their roster for that season. And these five teams can be swapped in and out based on their success in their domestic campaigns. As I said, FIFA has said that they're banning all players that are going to be part of these teams taking part in this league. We have uh, UEFA saying the same thing. The Premier League, the Spanish League, the Italian League, they have all come out and condemned the league as well. And so to help you understand the full impact that this may have, imagine that in a year where there is the Olympics, and there is the basketball championship 
that the Los Angeles Lakers, the Golden State Warriors, and the Brooklyn Nets, just those three teams, because those are the teams that have, I guess, the, the most names and the most stars, all decided that, hey, we're going to go and set up our own little thing over here on the side. And as a result, um, the, the American basketball governing body decides, well, if that is what you're going to do, then LeBron James is now ineligible from playing for the national team. Stephen Curry is ineligible. Kevin Durant, um, James Harden, Kyrie Irving, Anthony Davis, they're all ineligible because they're now taking part in something that's not officially sanctioned by us. That has a direct impact on the quality of the team that's going to take part in whatever tournament they're, they're going to. No, you would you would think then that because it is still the National Basketball Association and we have the best of the best playing here, that losing those players might not necessarily be so bad. But that's just three teams. Imagine if half of the league were to decide that they were going to go set up their own thing and then all of a sudden they're now ineligible. The level of competition that you can put forward then with who is left. Like, let's say that along with those teams, you took out Utah, you took out Phoenix, you took out um, Atlanta. So Trey Young is, is no gone. You, you, you take out Indiana, so you can't call on Malcolm Brogdon. You, you, we already said that you're taking out the Knicks. So you don't have the collection of players that you would have wanted to go forward and that's just that's just the first problem now the second issue that i have with this particular move is the fact that the players themselves do not seem to have been consulted when this decision was made you have taken the teams who are basically their employers the employers have made the decision that they're going to do something that directly impacts them and have not consulted them. So we saw a report today that Manchester United, their GM or one of their executives, Ed Woodward, he was called or he called an impromptu meeting with the players because the players were very upset about this situation. We're hearing and we're seeing things come out from these players in different places where they're showing that they are not in favor of setting up the league. Now, why wouldn't they be in favor of setting up the league? After all, this could potentially mean more money for them at the end. But as I made mention of, first off, they're going to be ineligible from everything. So the, they can't play league football. Those who are in England, will not be able to play in the English Premier League anymore, likewise in Spain, likewise in Italy. Um, on top of that, you, you look at the connection that a lot of these players have with the fans and that these teams have with the fans. Similar to what happens here when an NFL or an NBA team moves from a city and goes somewhere else, it causes a rift with the fans that were there because the fans in this particular area are so married to the identity of their team. And it is more so in these European countries and South America where for a lot of these people, soccer that we refer to it here, but football for us 
everywhere else in the world is religion. People will follow with their wives. Men will stop going to a barber, but they will never let go of the team. They may decide, I'm not supporting any team, but they're not going to leave the team that they grew up with, that they probably stood in the terraces, sing the songs, and go to another team. So you're not just taking an a supporting entity, but you're taking pieces of people's identity away from them. And they have no say, they have, they have no input into what's happening. You're just literally just taking the team and you're, you're making this decision based purely on economics. The, the whole thing about the European Super League is about money. The teams, these teams, always have been agitating and saying that they have not been getting the level of financial reward from UEFA and from their own national bodies that they believe that for their standing they should have. The European Super League is going to give them is some ridiculous, I, I don't remember the exact figures and right now I don't, I'm not feeling inclined to stop and go check. But they're getting millions upon millions of dollars just by being a part of this league. When you look at what happens in England, England is a strict profit-sharing setup where the teams at the top and the teams at the bottom all get the same piece of the pie when it comes to the TV rights deals. Everybody gets money, therefore every all of the teams are able to grow and develop and they can take that money and put it into their academies. They can take that money and invest it in their communities. They can take that money and invest in the first team squad so that their teams get better. And as a result, the league on a whole gets better, is more competitive, and it gives a much better product for those who are watching. We could argue that in terms of the technical ability in England versus other places like Germany with Bayern Munich or even Italy now with like Inter Internationale who has been on a tier this season, the revival of AC Milan, the apparent fall off or decline of Juventus. When you look at what's happening in Spain with Barcelona and Real Madrid and Atletico Madrid who, are se who have separated themselves from the rest of the pack. A lot of that happens because of the money. Paris Saint-Germain is a world beater now because of the money that came in when they got foreign investment. Paris Saint-Germain up until this airing has not announced that they are going to be a part of the league. But at this point in time, knowing that it, um, Real Madrid is supposed to get kicked out of the Champions League. Manchester City is going to get kicked out. Chelsea is going to get kicked out. Paris Saint-Germain is the only team left. So by default, they could be the Champions League champions this season. And there's nothing stopping them after being announced as the Champions League champion that they say, okay, thanks for the trophy. Yeah, we'll hold the parade and we'll show it to all of our fans. And now we're going to go join this Rebel League. So 
at this point, um, for the players, for the fans, this is not a good happening. This is not something that they're going to feel very great about because, yes, you're going to be looking to get all of this this extra money and you're talking about how they're going to be investing it back into football and, and all that stuff. Now, for those who don't know, AJ and I, we have not hid our allegiances to the Arsenal Football Club. And Arsenal FC is owned by Stan Kroenke. Stan Kroenke is the owner also of the Los Angeles Rams. He's the owner of the Colorado Rapids. And he has other sporting entities. We... And we have gone on record several times with our displeasure with Kroenke because of the amount of money that the team has been generating for KSI. And he's been taking that money and not investing it into the team. Manchester United supporters are saying the exact same things for the Glazers who own the Tampa Bay Buccaneers that they've... They're the only owners that they know of, that we know of right now, who are taking dividends out of the team and putting it into their pockets. What makes you think that if they get more money, that all of a sudden that this is going to stop? So we have owners doing things. They're trying to set up an American-type sports model where there's no relegation. There's, there's nothing that will come and hamper the money that they're making because at the end of the day, they have too much money invested. Today, there was an EPL game, an English Premier League game playing with Leeds playing against Liverpool. Leeds is a cautionary tale for a lot of these, these owners because Leeds was a powerhouse in English soccer in the late 90s and the early 2000s. And then Leeds found themselves in financial problems and they got relegated. They didn't even go down to the championship, which is the English second tier. But they went down to, the, to League One, which is the third tier. And after, I think it is 14 or 16 years, they have finally gotten themselves back to the Premier League. The American owners who come from places where you can tank, you can come last in the league, and what that means for you is that you get the best draft pick or you get a shot at having one of the best draft picks, which you can hope then would be a player to change your team around. But there's none of that in England. There's none of that in Europe. It is perform or be demoted. But they don't want to take those financial risks, especially when you see like a team like Arsenal who has not won the Premier League since 2004. They've won cups along the way, but they have never won, they have not won the league in over a decade. Liverpool finally won a Premier League and the Premier League has been in existence since 1992. Tottenham has not won anything in my life, but they're somehow included in this league. I don't know why... But sorry, it's not that I don't know why. Because I've just outlined why. It's all about the money. This is just a huge cash grab. And as I told, as I told you, AJ, when this happened yesterday, this put me in a tailspin because I, I was already working on what we were going to talk about and then this happened. 
I'm going to step off my soapbox here because we don't, we don't know how this is going to play out. Right now, we have FIFA and UEFA saying that if, these, if they continue along this path, all of these teams are going to get kicked out and they're going to be in, the players are going to be ineligible, which is going to hit them in their pockets directly. We have the Super League who is saying, to hell with winner, we going ahead and y'all can do whatever y'all got to do. The players, the fans, the coaches, all of them are caught in the middle of these two monoliths. And I can only hope, I can only hope and pray that they come to some level of understanding where either the Super League is abandoned or they find a way to make it work so that we don't have this level of disruption because on behalf of the fans, they need to figure out, they need to stop playing with things that are integral to people's identities. All right. Hunt. That one came from the hunt. Yes. I can tell. Yeah. Now I'm just going to leave that right there. Yeah. That's a, that's, a, that's a good place to that's a good place to end. Thank you. Well, folks, that now brings us to the end of another Green Beige podcast. As we mentioned at the beginning, you can now find us on the GoLoad platform with Digicel Grenada, where especially if you have the package, um, AJ, do you remember what the specific package is called? Because I'm drawing a bit of a blank after that. Um, the, the, I'm sorry. It is the Prime Bundle. Sorry. Yeah. Yes. So if you have the Prime Bundle, it doesn't cost you anything. It doesn't use your data. You can find all of our episodes on there. And this, I think, is episode 15. So if you are brand new to the pod, welcome. We're glad to have you. Hang on. This is going to be a fun ride for those of you who have been with us all the way through from our start on YouTube. We are always glad to have you as well. This is where we're going to say goodbye, good night, good day. We'll see you next Wednesday. And as always, that is AJ. He's the green. I'm Ken. I'm the bitch. We'll see you next.